Welcome to the CSC Podcast. I'm Zudi Buari, Producing Artistic Associate at Classic Stage Company. In this episode, we have a special live recording of our Classic Perspectives event following our current production of Marcus Gardley's Black Odyssey, directed by Stevie Walker-Webb. Black Odyssey is set in Harlem, so this Classic Perspectives, called Harlem State of Mind, I had a chance to speak with two exciting Harlem experts, Eric Lockley and Dietrich Bolden, about the significance of Harlem, its past, present, and future. All coming up on the CSE Podcast. Hello! Welcome to Classic Stage! I'm Zudi Buari. Uh, producing artistic associate here at Classic Stage Company. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. We're going to talk about Harlem tonight. Um, and I have two incredible guests here that are going to um, join me in that conversation. Next to me, I have Eric Lockley. He is an award-winning writer, actor, and producer. And then next to him, we have Dietrich Bolden. Uh, who's on the board of directors uh, for Harlem Week, Inc., the advisory board for Community Works, and she's a senior associate of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. The list goes on, too. They do a lot lot of incredible work. Um, I want to just dig into it, yeah? Playwright Marcus Gardley has taken the Odyssey and set it in Harlem. Harlem is one of the most historically significant places in the country and in the world. And each of you have a powerful understanding of Harlem's essence and artistic significance. Can you share a bit about your relationship with Harlem and the kind of work you do there? Well, first, I just want to say how beautiful it was to experience this piece. So thank you all for having us. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I have a Harlem-based, two Harlem-based theater companies. I live in Harlem. I, uh, when I was seven years old, I performed at Amateur Night at the Apollo. Yes. Um, so like, I have a rich history with Harlem and I think uh, cultural institutions uh, and how they uh, surpass time and space is actually amazing to me. And so I think the Apollo is a landmark and uh, that signifies and that was a signifier to the world for, and still is um, of like Harlem being the black Mecca Mm. And a lot of the uh, the arts institutions and the the music, so much of the culture that is there has lasted for so long because people talked about it, people felt at home, people felt like there was community there and shared understanding of what community meant. And um, and I found that, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of that legacy now. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. Yes. What about you, teachers? <laughs> so yes, um, Harlem Harlem is home. Um, like you've said, Harlem is one of the definitions of black theater, black music, food. Um, I, I was actually born and raised, half raised, I say, in the Bronx. But my life started in Harlem. I was in the girls' choir of Harlem, and I went to Choir Academy. I am the artistic director of Impact Repertory Theater, which is connected to New Heritage Theater Group, which is the oldest African-American theater in America, who's the executive producer, Voza Rivers. And Voza is, uh, he has brought arts from all over the world to, to resonate in Harlem. Harlem is, is religion, that's my churches in Harlem. You know, um, I sit on uh, the board of directors of Harlem Week, and as we go into our 49th year of the festival, um, which was started with a conversation with Percy Sutton, 
who's one of the reasons why the Apollo reopened, mm -hmm. you know, and he was one of the producers of WBLS, which actually used to be housed on 125th Street in Harlem, you know, so <laughs> everything um, going from theater to, you know, dance, everything is Harlem. Harlem has a rich culture and history, and Harlem is just not a place, it's a state of mind. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to say at the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce that they're Harlems of the world. So there's Harlems in South Africa, in Europe, you know, in Asia, mm. and we cultivate all of that in Harlem by bringing together, you know, different people from different races. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, beautiful answer. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, what does it feel like to hear direct Harlem references? Like you heard Sylvia's and Famous Fish in the play. Yes. Uh, Good food. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to be with an audience that gets to react to that together, how does that change the experience of watching a play to recognize your own neighborhood in it? Well, okay, I'll, I'll start this one. Um, I was very excited to hear Melba's. Um, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Melba's actually one of, she's like, like a big sister to me. Mm. She's a part of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. So to, to hear familiarity, you know, kind of touches the heart, brings you into this show. You know, this is the round, the round theater, which is great. It makes it more intimate. So now that you're close to the actors and now you're hearing familiarity, you said Melba's, Sylvia's, the Apollo, mm -hmm. some famous fish, famous, fit, famous yeah. fish, Studio 145th Museum. Street, yeah. um, <laughs> Studio yes. Museum. It, it was, it's really good to hear that I actually want to bring my students here so they can, you know, and that's another thing. This is something that will bring in the young people, not just for entertainment, but for education, which is what yes. we need to do, you know, so. Yeah, and hearing things like Jimmy Jazz, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that, oh, yeah, on 125th Street, I'm like, yeah, I, it's, Incred There's so many clothes in there. Um, <laughs> and it has lasted for such a long time. And I think um, when you get to hear things like that and hear about your neighborhood in such a, a beautiful way, you, it's a reminder that you're a part of something that's larger than yourself. And I think whenever oh. we have that experience as individuals, it reminds us that we're not alone, which right. is a big message of this play. We remember that they're ancestors. We remember that they're aunties. You know what I mean? That we remember yes. the rich legacy that surrounds us. And uh, so being able to hear those references was really affirming. And, and um, I know that there's somebody that went to Jimmy Jazz yesterday that's going to come <laughs> to the play tomorrow and be like, oh, yeah, you know? Yes, and just you feel reaction. like it's home. So that's it's the reaction so, right there. Yeah, so it's really great that Marcus incorporated that. Um, yeah, it's great. Cool. Um, I'm wondering what about Harlem, from your perspective, makes it such an essential part of our history as Americans? I know, that's a big question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think being able to have things that we can call our own within black communities and within marginalized, marginalized communities, but especially um, from my experience, black communities is so essential. And so I think what, um, you know, as people, as the great migration was happening and more and more people were finding Harlem and being able to call Harlem home is we said we don't need to go to the, the white doctors. We don't need, you know what I mean? We were able to be in a space where we could claim something as our own and ownership and that both feeling of ownership but also the physical ownership allowed for that community to thrive and is what is one of the beautiful things that as I get to walk in my neighborhood of Harlem, I feel, I feel the pulse of that. I feel the pulse of black folks being like, this is ours, this feels like home. And I don't know that that, you know, there, there are fewer and fewer places, unfortunately, that may have that vibe just because whether it's 
because you know the red line. There's so many reasons, but I think Harlem has been able to maintain that feeling and that vibe. And once again, Harlem as a state of mind means that like, yeah, I could live in Harlem, move somewhere else tomorrow, but that state of mind of like, I I deserve to be here, and there's a uh, mm. certain uh, confidence and legacy that I'm a part of. And I think when I learned about the Harlem Renaissance, and then when I ended up moving into Harlem, I was like, whoa, I'm a part of something huge. And I think that feeling, that vibe, is an essential part of Harlem, and a part of um, that self-sufficiency is part of what has made Harlem such a rich legacy that's lasted. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he said, you know. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Harlem was the place that we came to, you know. Um, we were able to start businesses, the ownership of it. Um, Carver, Carver Savings Bank, the bank was founded for people of color who were starting businesses who couldn't get finances from any place else. And Carver Bank is still standing to this day. You know, you mentioned the Schomburg in, in yeah, the play, you know. So right, right now you still have the Schomburg standing, which is now run by Joy Bivens, the first African-American female director for yes. the Schomburg, you know. So we have that rich culture. We, we're still creating history in Harlem. Yeah. You know, the Renaissance is still going. You know, so that's, that's what makes it so rich and still feels so real, you know, and it's home to so many different people. And the, the culture mixture, it's like a big soup bowl. You know, you go to Harlem and you, you just have a taste of everything. And that's something else that's unique. There's not a lot of places like that. You know, the community of it, you know, just the camaraderie of it. You're walking down the street and you're literally looking at history, you know, and you're also looking at what's happening in the future. You know, 125th Street, we're getting a Renaissance Marriott hotel, you know, that's, you know, bringing downtown uptown, you know, to, to say the least. So things are still rolling over and still happening. And it's, it's just Harlem is rich, you know, and it helps, it's, it's still cultivating culture to this day. That's great, and a, a word that you both seem to keep using that I love is home. And that's what this whole play is, it's about finding home and that journey to home and what that means. So I think that's really, really great. Um, what do you feel like makes it such a perfect inspiration for so many artists? You know, we see Harlem as a setting in movies and TV shows and plays and musicals. Why do you feel like people use it so often in their uh, work of art? Well, because most of it started there. You know, you have the big bands. You started at the Cotton Club and the Savoy Ballroom, you know. That's, that's what makes it home. You, you, the Apollo, you know, that's what makes it home. National Black Theater, you know, even going up to City College, we have Aaron Davis Hall. These are all the things that continue to feed the culture, continue to feed our youth. You know, it's, that's one of the things that makes it unique. People are still coming. You know, it's still making people's dreams come true. That Apollo mm. stage is still making people's mm. dreams come true. The education that you get in Harlem, at the Schaumburg, you know, at all of these institutions, the museum, and um, that, that's what makes it special. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I'll add that I think people understand the hustle, you know? And I think that that's like one of the things that keeps me so invested in the neighborhood of Harlem with two, two theater organizations that are Harlem based. But like, uh, just for an example of a, uh, uh, not necessarily unique thing that happened because it's Harlem, but I was doing a solo show where I was performing as Adam Clayton Powell in, to students in the streets of, uh, on, on 125th Street. And I was, you know, doing my performance, being like, remember the bus boycott? Because Adam Clayton Powell actually 
had the first bus boycott happened in Harlem because they weren't uh, allowing for there to be black bus drivers. But anyway, um, so I was in the middle of the speech and all of a sudden uh, a woman with a food truck, a seafood, I think Harlem seafood, a, a seafood truck, she said, don't forget about my business. <laughs> and she said, um, y'all, uh, excuse me, sir, I'm gonna give you my card. If y'all need some seafood, I'm okay. And I, and I was like, oh, oh, yes, yes, we have business, you know, because she just interrupted my performance, but she, you know, she did, she did her piece, she gave the card, she said, if y'all want, I'll be here, and, and like, and everybody was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the hustle, and I think, like, we have a certain uh, respect for each person's hustle and their cultural contribution mm -hmm. that is... I'm saying unique to those streets, but once again, it's the mindset. It's the, it's the like, you do you, I'm gonna do me, and we gonna make it work. And that's been so, such a part of Harlem and so, so uplifted because it was a space that was rare, especially you know, um, during the 20s, the 30s, it was, you, know, you couldn't go anywhere else and have that experience where it's like, I'm seeing everybody with that hustle and they're not trying to stop me. Right. You know what oh. I mean? And, and we're respecting each other and uplifting each other. Wow. That's great. Um, I'm curious about how you've seen Harlem change over the years, and what hasn't changed, too. Um, well, of course, you know, there, there's a lot of um, new integration of culture <laughs> coming into Harlem, the gentrification, you know. Um, but again, I think that's one of the reasons why it makes Harlem so rich, because there's so, much, so many other things going on. You can't get bored in Harlem. Um, the one thing that has not changed in Harlem is the arts. You know, Harlem is dance, Harlem is theater, Harlem is music, Harlem is healing. You know, Harlem, Harlem during, especially during what I call I the apocalypse, <laughs> especially through what I call the apocalypse, when COVID hit, you know, it, it, it takes a village, let's put it that way. So to see the community come together, you know, we had the elderly, so people starting food feeds in Harlem and going out and, you know, doing as much checking on each other as you can, you know, but Harlem did it differently. You know, we have a swag about ourselves. It's a swagger, you know, <laughs> and, and um, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. That's great. Um, but one more question, and then I'm gonna turn it to the audience to see if you have any questions for our guests. Um, what's your favorite thing about Harlem's history? Um, it's present, and what are you hoping for its future? I, I love that dreams can come true. I mean, I, I love the hustle. Once again, I think that people really discover or are uh, given permission to um, discover possibility in a, in a unique way, in a, in a way that um, celebrates individuality, celebrates culture, and celebrates um, aspiration as a part of a legacy, because I think that is the thing, you know, I, I know many kids learn about the Harlem Renaissance, and when you, having the opportunity to learn about that and then to be, you know, from the person in France who visits and stands um, next to the Apollo or stands inside the Apollo, like that moment is, is so special, but it may be just as special for the person who visits from the Bronx, you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's because you feel like you're a part of something and being able to um, viscerally have that experience, I think is something that is a part of Harlem's past, present, and future. Yes. There you go. That's, that yeah. was good. Yeah, that was good. Kind of stuff. Run it around. Oh, 
the thing that I love, um, we, we're keeping our history and we, we keep passing it on. Mm. Um, I'm blessed to be a senior associate at the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce and we just celebrated 125 years. Wow. You know, again, wow. I say it started with Percy Sutton, Charles Rangel, you know, you have Dr. Hazel Dukes, you know, all of, all of these people in rich in culture and we get to pass this on and keep our history alive, you know, and it's just not, you know, classical, uh, our classical history. Now we have the hip hop, you know, and all of the new things that we're cultivating in our Harlem way. I think just passing on that story, again, creating dreams. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm the artistic director of Impact, which is a Harlem-based um, community organization. It's a free program for young people. We're having auditions, by the way, yes, plug. Um, <laughs> but in 2008, we made some dreams come true. Impact was nominated for an Oscar for a song that we wrote called Raise It Up for the film August Rush. Oh. And we were able to take 30 young people from Harlem to California. They oh. performed on a Kodak stage. Harlem makes dreams come true, you know. Mm. Then the educational aspect, you get mentors in Harlem, um, make sure that our kids go to school, they're, they're on the right path, and those people are still being cultivated in Harlem. Again, continue to make dreams come true. Mm -hmm. so. Does anybody have uh, any questions for the guests? Yes. Well, for me, join the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. We have members in the Bronx, and we help cultivate that hip-hop museum that's on the Grand Concourse. Um, our politicians, they co-mingle all the time. Uh, I, one of the things I would say was partner with someone. Partner and, and then get some grant writing going, just some seed money. Um, I'm always taken back to what my mentor, Jamal Joseph, who's the artistic director, the executive artistic director of Impact. He was one of the Black Panther 21. And when they told him, how are we going to start this breakfast program for, the, for these young people, he just went around and started asking people. Hmm. So you go around, you create community, you touch, you know, link up with somebody, because there's someone like-minded just like you who wants to do the same thing. So know that you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah. Create community. Yeah. That's, yes. This is, yes. Um, and like, I so deeply appreciate, because you're, you know, you're saying multiple names of people and organizations and things that I'm familiar with. But it's, and I think that's also a part of Harlem in terms of being connect, connecting people yeah. and recognizing, once again, we're not by ourselves. Um, so, in addition, I, I think. Um, write it down, make it happen. So I think journal, write that. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's like, uh, that is something that is really important to me that's really valuable that I think can help to hone a vision. So, I, um, and then build community. That's what I was gonna say is like, find like-minded people and I think like-minded people um, and then come together with a mission. <laughs> I mean, I'm speaking from the perspective of like theater, having a theater company, but also I think as a community builder, uh, you're driven by a mission. That always helps. So whether it is Black Lives Matter or if it's make theater for, you know, for people who look like me. But I think finding a common mission and remembering that mission and being able to go back to that is always helpful when moving towards a goal and moving towards building community in an, in an, in an intentional way. So 
Uh, yeah, that would be advice. Like you said, in the goal thing, set goals and dates mm -hmm. so that you yep. know you keep pushing yourself and you don't become stagnant. Mm -hmm. So make sure you keep growing with whatever it is you're doing. That's all the time we have. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Eric Lockley, Beatrice Bolden. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Beatrice Bolden and Eric Lockley for an amazing Classic Perspectives. You can purchase tickets to Black Odyssey at ClassicStage.org. Once again, I'm Zudi Bawari. Thanks again for listening.